We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It's been a crazy packed weekend in combat sports. We've had a ton of pro wrestling events that we have to talk to and talk about. And there's a couple that we have to review later on in the show. There was also boxing. There was a major UFC card where we probably saw the birth of the UFC's next big star. We'll talk about all of that here in a second. But first, we have to start out with some somber news, and that is an accident that occurred involving welterweight champion Errol Spence. His car flipped several times. Uh, he was listed in serious conditioning, condition, non-life-threatening injuries. He was ejected from the car. The pictures were horrendous. So we have to say prayers out to him and his family to, to even start the show. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I was out there in uh, L.A. for the fight. Um, so man, it sucks because the first thing I immediately thought about it, cause I got a chance to meet his little girls and me being a father myself, you know, that's the first thing I thought about is, uh, you know, hopefully those little girls, uh, know that daddy's okay. Um, obviously they say the injuries are non-life threatening, but the question is, will his boxing career resume? It'll be a very unfortunate circumstance if Arrow can't fight again. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, as of this recording, nobody knows the details. We don't know if there are any bones are broken. We don't know how this is going to work out. The only thing that I can say is he's probably not going to be fighting in January. So get well, Errol. Uh, we hope to see you back in the boxing ring soon because the sport's better with you. Yeah, man, it's crazy. You uh, spend time with him, like a whole day, and yeah. talked about hip-hop and, and social commentary, which we talked about to open up episode not too long ago. 
and some of the people he said, you know, he would love to meet if he could meet anyone in history and some of the names that surprised you and, and really just the depth to Errol Spence that we don't get to see on the day to day. And yeah, uh, yeah, man. yeah, crazy. man. horrible news to start off the day. So hopefully by the time we record next week, we have much better news on the Errol Spence front um, to bring you guys. So, you know, fingers crossed for that. None but prayers his way. Now it's time to kick off the show as scheduled. And before we dive into that just litany of combat sports news that we have this week, there was some craziness still going around the Twitterverse that we usually start our show with. And let's jump right into it, man. The thing that caught my eye today specifically, before you know, we, we bring up a topic that's surely going to piss you off, uh, this one, you know, it's just going to get you mildly upset. And that is Takashi 69 reportedly, according to TMZ, was offered a multi-million dollar deal while in prison for when he gets out. Come shocked? On, Are you shocked? Not really, but come on, man. Like, I want to know who's going to be the first rapper to record with the snitch. That's all I want to know. No features. Um, He's going to pull a J. Cole. No features. God, now, man. You know I mean, 50 Cent, Will. It's all about the money. It's... Uh... God, it's terrible. But I mean, man, he's such a snitch. The snitchiest know, of snitches. <laughs> this, this is like, this is super snitch. Like, man. And he's got a record deal. Like, what's he making music about? Snitching? Oh, yeah, beating the case, I guess. He's going to say, I, you know, I really didn't give him up. I don't know. Because that'd be a lie, right? We all saw it. We all heard it. There's transcripts. There's papers. As people who do criminal activity like to say, there's papers. Like, he can't deny that. Like, I mean, I guess, I don't know what the fuck he's going to talk about. Talk about girls? Gross. I don't <laughs> want no part of this. I, I don't know. The question really is, though, is it smart for him to decline witness protection? Because that's what no, he needs to do, smart. right? Like, you can't go into witness protection and take an album deal. This pretty much means if he takes the money, multi-million dollars, is that, yes, it's a good amount of money. It's a nice chunk of change. But he has to be in a public eye. He has to do concerts. He has to do something to sell these records. Man, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not... This this could turn into a very unfortunate situation for him being greedy. Um, go away, dude. Just go away. That's it. Why won't he go away? I'm sure they'll hook him up with witness protection. They got to give you a job of some sort. A career the field. How's how's anybody gonna be like? Oh, I don't know. Like he has to move into the most rural area, like an Amish place, because dude, he got tattoos all on his face. Nobody on, from man. New York has ever been to Iowa, North Dakota. Like you can stash him there, quick, fast. Maybe I mean, not with social to. media though. That's I what I'm like saying. Young you young white thing. kids loved like hip hop and shit. So if he's just walking around, they'll someone's snapping a flick. Uh, get him out of here. Yeah, I don't know. You can't hide in the social media era. So at that point, you might be like, fuck it. Someone's going to see me anyway. Might as well make some money. Ugh. It's it's crazy. Um, and one of the conversations spinning off of this, which uh, was an old man type of conversation, but there's a lot of people, you know, being the old head in this, is, is hip-hop code, is the hip-hop code officially dead? Not hip-hop itself. But is this the nail in the coffin where it's like, yo, you know what? Back when hip hop first started, you couldn't use Ghost Riders. Like, you know, people couldn't write your rhymes for you. That was like, you, you get Millie Vanilli, you're done. That shit's acceptable now. You couldn't snitch. Well, guess what? 
we have the biggest of snitches. You couldn't lie in your rhymes, really. Like, just spit what you know. Spit about your hood, your block. We have Rick Ross. Like, is it done? Is this the final nail that says, you know what? Hip-hop is now fictional, completely. I mean, that's kind of what it's always been in a sense. It's, it was the unwritten rule, though, um, that you couldn't snitch, you couldn't have ghostwriters. But, I mean, Sugar Hill Gang had ghostwriters, so, you know, it's not, it's not too much you can People say about it. People don't count like them as, like, hip-hop, hip-hop culture. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where you look at the culture as it is and what it's supposed to be and these unwritten rules, and they're all just gone to hell. I mean, once hip-hop really went mainstream, keeping it real was just such bullshit. So nobody's really keeping it real anymore. Like everybody's keep trying to get that bag and whatever it took to get the bag. So we'll see how it turns out, man. It's just the the, the culture is what it is. Um, you know, you love the certain parts that you love, and the rest of it you leave alone. And Takashi sixty nine is one of them people. I'm just gonna leave alone. I'm not gonna lie. I bumped a lot of his music. I was. Still, I did not. You didn't. You didn't. That was my like. <laughs> that was my ratchet moment for the year. What was that? Twenty eighteen. Early 2019, yeah, I was playing Takashi. Videos, all that, with the blicky, uh, everything, you know? I mean, it just doesn't hold the same muster anymore. Like, oh, quick the, update, the shine quick is update. off that, of it. As, as we're recording, it seems like the Errol Spence has no broken bones and only facial lacerations. That is according to TMZ. Wow. Yeah. Like, if you believe in God... He was absolutely looking over him on this night. That is insane. Incredible. Um, man, that's that's the best news anyone can hope for in this scenario, especially you know, just a couple hours ago before recording this. They released a video, the, the footage of his car actually flipping, the security cam footage, and, and that was just horrific. Yeah, it so, was. Yeah, I mean, great update. Man, I wish him the best. You know, let's just, just wear your seatbelt, everyone. Just start there. Wear your seatbelt. Um, let's not speed in Ferraris. But, I mean, outside of that, the simplest thing you do is wear your seatbelt. Working in news for the past two and a half years, you'd be amazed how many just fucking horrific accidents and fatals we had to cover that just stemmed from people not wearing their seatbelt. Like, you can't control drunk drivers, right? You can't control a car malfunction. Um, in a lot of cases, you can't control, you know, you're trying to get home after a night at the club, and you're not drinking, but you're tired as fuck, and you fall asleep behind the wheel. That happens a lot. That causes a lot of these actions. There, there's some stuff, you know, that, that happens in circumstances. Wearing your seatbelt is not one of those. Like, let's yeah. just start there, and then kind of let everything else play out. So, uh, good news to have that um next thing though that you brought to my attention which is just yeah. hilarious up rocks up rocks and pitchfork have released their 20 well up rocks has the best 30 albums if pitchfork was bold and said hold my beer and we're going for the best 200 albums since 2010 i'm assuming this is because we're about to end 2019 Yep, the decade's about to end. So, yep, so here we go. putting out this list. I will let you know. Pitchfork, who decided to do 200, which is Lofty. Little Peep. Hellboy is on their list. Let's start there. Like, are you kidding me? It's easier to go 30, right? So, 
If you go to the 30 or 25, there's glaring omissions in both lists. And that just makes me think, Drake, are we, we're never going to stop lists, right? Because no. lists are huge, huge content drivers. I've had to make a million of them working for BSO. They work great. But is there any way to stop bad lists? I remember I made a WrestleMania list once for BSO. And you crushed me. And I wasn't even that far off. And it was a mm. top 10 list. And you were like, yo, I mean, there's an episode somewhere. I'm sure someone will listen to it. It's like episode like 89 or something. It's a WrestleMania episode. You crushed me for my list. And I was maybe like four off. Your biggest thing was I think I had Brett Sean number one. Yeah. Which you don't really like that match. And a lot of people don't. They say age poorly. It did. It's, um, it's, once you know who's going to win, it's a long-ass match. Yeah. That's all it is. And then, um, okay, I understand. Taker Sean, retrospect, probably better. Probably age better. But still, that could be a top five match of all time. I wasn't that. Oh, you you said, uh, who was it? It was Bret Hart versus Stone Cold was your number one match, I think. WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there. Still, I had that in my top five. Pitchfork. Let me go through this. Number one, Frank Ocean's Blonde. That's, dog, we can stop there, okay? <laughs> because, listen, so I don't even want to run through this whole list, but yes, since for the past 10 years, they made this list. And I think these lists are interesting because, you know, everybody wants to make a list. I think the, the thing that you, when you make a list, like I've worked at big companies, I've worked at small companies, you try to do a list where you get everybody's input. Problem with Pitchfork and a lot of these publications is they don't have enough melanin in their newsroom to make these decisions. So you got to like, and I'm not trying to disrespect white people in general. I'm just saying when you have too many white people in one room, you have this, this fantasy of what hip hop is or what you enjoy. Yeah. And I'm not saying Frank Ocean fixed that, but that's kind of where this little peep shit comes in. Um, but Frank Ocean's Blonde is not even Frank Ocean's best album. Now, we can debate that if you want to. That's fine. If you like Blonde over channels, uh, uh, Channel Zero, uh, Orange, Orange, fine, whatever. Which I don't. But no, the, the best album of, 2000, of the 2010s? Are you kidding me? The best album? I think the biggest issue with this is trying to rank these things. And for like, the, I think the, uh, the Uproxx list, uh, what was their number one? Hip, uh, because they just did hip hop, yeah. right? Uh, Kanye... One. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is number two on Pitchfork. It didn't make up Rox's list. And that's like, there, there's the issue. Um, in which I, you gave that five stars. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's one of the best albums of the decade. Yeah. Bobby, and as, as much as I don't like Kanye, I think it's one of the best albums. Period. Yeah, can't um, front on it. But then there's like, there's glaring omissions um, on To Pimp a Butterfly list. is fourth on Pitchfork. Didn't make up Rox's list. That's bizarre. Uh, well, I like, mean, it but, had no replay value, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, God. Here you go. <laughs> we're not, not going to go into that. Uh, no, man, the, the impact was incredible. I can't deny it. And it's good music. Not just because I don't want to go back and listen to it in my leisurely time. I'm not trying to shit on the music. Kendrick doesn't make anything that's whack. To me, I enjoy other albums better. I like Good Kid, Mad City a little better. Uh, they had Section 80 in their top 10 on Pitchfork. Okay, I enjoy that better as well. But to... It, to pimp a butterfly, I'm not gonna fucking crush anyone for having that in the top ten. If that's your favorite Kendrick album, more power to you. I I have my reasons for not liking it. I just thought, I just look at these lists, 
And I'm like, all right, that that Uproxx list doesn't have, from the Kendrick side of things, doesn't have Good Kid, Mad City, Damn, or To Pimp a Butterfly, right? No. None of those made their, their list. Nope. And which is granted, insane. it was only a top 30. So you can't have four Kendricks in the top 30. I mean, you could if they were that good. But I wouldn't. Maybe I'd have two, though. It's hard to not say he didn't have the At two least. best hip-hop albums. Two of the top 30 best hip-hop albums this decade. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, in my opinion, two of the top ten. But it yeah. doesn't even matter because you should have My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Good Kid, Mad City should definitely be, be on there. Drake Take um, Care and then, has to be in there to me. Yeah, and that belongs. But, you know, for me, Nothing Was the Same was is my favorite Drake album. But that should have been on the list. Yeah. like Somewhere in the 30. Somewhere. At, at some point, these lists get fucking ridiculous. And what you should do as a publication, I get it. You have to use numbers because this is a lesson I learned working in print is that the highest selling issues of any publication always have to do with numbers. Always. So I get you have to do, use numbers. But you can do the top 200 albums and put in no sp- particular order because that shit is ridiculous. Like Big Crit should, is, needs to be on the list. Like Schoolboy Q's. And this is just hip hop. Oxymoron should be on the list. Um, Oxymoron, we're talking about skips and quality, it had no skips. No, like like both of Fonte's albums could be on there. Little Brothers um, albums, yeah, Rhapsody. There's there's so Lizzo much was in the top three. That's and, a recency bias. And I listened to that as soon as it came out. And this is, you know, full disclosure. Some of this music isn't my type of music. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance and go back and listen. It it's ridiculous. Up rocks alone. Drake's. If you're reading this, it's too late. Was number one. That's that's stupid. Young Thug Barter Six was number two. That that's again. This is where we get into these things where it's like word. Like <laughs> I'm not saying like. Look, I like you know you guys know I'm a Kendrick fan. I like me, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. But to say that the Barter Six is better than anything from Kendrick's catalog. Kendrick was three section eighty, but still that's. That's rough. Oh, and it, it's like, look, I like Section 80 as well, but good Lord, Barter 6 is better than Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, Damn, or The Pimple Butterfly? Yeah. I, she, yeah. <laughs> and I listened to the Barter 6 after this dropped, and it got some bangers on it. But half the time, the dude's talking about nothing. Yes, he flows well on the beat. He, he sounds like a more drugged up Lil Wayne. Cool. If you love Lil Wayne in like 2006 to 2009... This is your shit. I prefer Lil Wayne 2001 through 2005. Like, uh, it, it didn't do it for me. A uh, Future Hendrix, which I guess is is rap? Is, I, is that hip-hop? That was five? I don't fuck with Future as much as other people. Life of Pablo know. is six. Life of Pablo, and I like it. It's not better than good or to um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. No way, no how. Yeah, so these lists get a little ridiculous. I mean, to each his own, but some of these things are just fucking egregious. Rhapsody has three getting, joints on here. And and to be fair, like, and I love Rhapsody, but it's it's just, damn, man. Like, you have two of her albums on there, and you only have one Kendrick album. You don't have nothing was it. Like, look, man, I'm very, I listened to Nothing Was the Same again yesterday, and I was like, yo, this and Take Care had some bangers on it. Yeah, it did. Even if you don't like Drake, like, to be subjective about this, 
like you don't have to love every album. Like I'm not a big Beyonce fan, but I understand the impact of Lemonade, right? Yep. So it's like so that needs to be on a list somewhere. Same with Rihanna's Auntie. Like those need to be on a list somewhere. I listened to Nothing Was the Same, and I was like, dude, how could this not be one of the, the best albums of the, of the past decade? Like Big Chris Return of Forever. Oh my God. Fucking great album. No Wale albums. No J. Cole albums. What? Which is crazy. And I understand. J. Cole, maybe his albums sometimes are top heavy, but the 2014 Forest Drive shit, I don't know how that's not on a list of the uh, top it, 30. It, that's crazy because, like, you know, for me, I, I was a big fan of Born Center. I thought Born Center was an excellent album. Not on the list. Anyway, these lists are stupid. Drake's they second album on this joint is more life. Yeah, and that's like a fucking playlist. But this is when you let suburban America pick the best hip hop albums. This is what happens. Sorry. If there's any black folks over there, Uprocks, who made this list, hey man, y'all should have more of a say. There's no way that Drake's, if you're reading this, is too late, is the best album of the decade. Get out of here. Yeah, insane. So I don't know, man. It's the end of the year. I mean, we're going to make our usual corner podcast awards. Um, to finish off the year, you know, best album this year and all, so on and so forth. So we do it every year. But we usually come to a pretty good consensus of what the best shit is. If anything, we get somewhere close to it. We're not going to put ridiculous stuff at the top of our list. But I feel like that's what we're going to get for the final two months of this year. Is a ton yeah. of lists, um, which I, I just I don't understand. And... Big ups to the people who do put their face in front of it. Like, I'll say this. Like, you, if you put your face to the list and your name to the list, shout out to you. Because that's what we're going to do. But these collectives are what bother me more than anything. Like, it's just an Uproxx list. But who? Who voted for this? Yeah, Whoever's on their team. Can you show us that you have melanin in the room? Like, yeah, they, they didn't have Royce Booker Ryan nowhere on there. That's yeah, crazy. Like, put your yeah. name to this list. There's all, Get your byline off. Let us have a discussion. I can't even say shit to these people. Like, I want to talk. Why is this good? So that's, that's crazy um, <laughs> for further comedic value. Someone who did put their name to it. T.I. dropped his own top 50 rappers of all time list. In which he ranks himself in the top 15. Listen, we'll say this about T.I.'s albums. We have so much more to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so T.I.'s list. <laughs> T.I. has a top 50 list that has Master P at 28 and Black Thought nowhere to be found. That list is null and void. Move yeah. on. <laughs> I'll give you that. No Black Thought, no KRS-One. Throw that whole but shit Master in the track. But Master P number two. Master P. Nelly's the rapper. on there. Nelly's on there, by the way. Like, tip your fire, man. Don't do that. And like, Schoolboy Q's, like, what kind of nerd has a 48th favorite rapper? He's kind of right. I've never thought about this shit. Who's my 48th favorite rapper? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So, yeah, so that was pretty much the Twitterverse. Uh, man, outside of that, something that happened in pro wrestling, that kind of hit the Twitterverse that can kick off our pro wrestling talk for this episode. Good old Randy Orton. What is he, 15-time world champion? 15-time world champion Randy Orton. Was on Twitch. Getting busy, killing people, what looks like Call of Duty or some other type of game of that nature. And Randy Orton was so damn hyped in a public board, public forum, that he had to drop the N-word. Chilling, smooth. And people are saying, you know what? Fuck it. It's Randy. 
Funniest shit I saw about it is that someone said it came out of nowhere. Had me in tears. <laughs> <laughs> had me in tears. But on the real, are you surprised? No, man. I mean, look. At least, I mean, couple- to his credit, he said, like, it with an A. Like, he, this motherfucker says it every other day. Yeah, so it's not like the Hogan situation. No. It doesn't make it necessarily any better. It just means Randy's careless. He was probably drunk or some shit. And, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's my problem with the word today is that, yeah, the, the license to use it has become so widespread that it's hard for us to really get mad at people for saying it because just anybody can use it. And I'm sure he wasn't using it disparagingly. But this is in, also... In the context, he was not. I no. mean... But this is a guy who was, like, standing for the National Anthem, a bunch of other shit. Yeah. Like, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I think a lot of these people mock the culture. It's I'm not surprised because like he's MAGA Randy. Well... He said that shit so smooth. So smooth. Like, not in a racist context at all, but, like, like anyone else would use it. It's just, man, it's just, it's just the part of the culture that, like, they're, like, my nephew plays Fortnite. Even though I punished him, he's no longer can play Fortnite. And he plays with all his friends. <laughs> Damn, strict and strict Uncle Dre. Man, no, nah, man, you get bad grades, you gotta be off of that. So he's off of Fortnite. But when he was playing with his little friends, I'd listen. I'd just walk by my room and listen to him play. And I hear all types of N-words flying around. And I'm like, wait a second. And I'm computing in my head, he ain't really got no black friends. <laughs> It's just, it's so commonplace from the music that they listen to and everything else that they just feel like they have a license to use the word. And it's like, was me, he I, saying it? No, that's the crazy thing. He wasn't saying it. <laughs> that's wild. But that's where we're at in society. Like for me, like me and my wife made it uh, a purpose, like cause we say it all the time. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to use this word because I don't feel comfortable when I hear other people use it because we use it so loosely that everybody else thinks it's okay. People that are, like, are born past the year 2000 are all like, what? It, it feels like so common that you can use that. I mean, Post Malone has said it. Look, he's one of the biggest artists out there. So it's like Randy Orton using it. I, I don't like it, but well, what the hell am I going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, no one could do, well, technically, it would be up to the WWE and some backlash. I mean, we saw it with... Um... <laughs> This was... man used it in a promo. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, Vince ain't gonna say. But we saw um, Lars Sullivan most recently get flack for his views and some of the shit he said. See, this is a different context. And that's, that's where I can understand. That is. So it's, hard. it's hard to punish these guys for using it like a recreation is what yeah. I feel like. And I, I don't like it. It's like, shunned I, I never upon, like it. but not punishable. Yeah. But whatever, Randy. <laughs> Yo, that shit was just so crazy. It was so casual. So Randy Orton, out of nowhere, with, with, with the lingo on Twitch. Um, the other thing, talking about Hogan and people who use the N-word in, in, in the worst fashion, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair have teams for Saudi Arabia. Oddly enough, Randy Orton is not on Hogan's team. Now we know why. It's because he uses it with an A and Hogan uses it with the ER. Hogan does not want him on his team. So we have Randy Orton on Flair's team and Seth Rollins, who is super woke Seth, has to do what the boss says, and he is on Hogan's team. Does this Uh, make any sense? 
Like no. Saudi Arabia, this does anything for you? It get, I mean, this was the opening. No, it was the biggest segment on the debut of Raw, the season debut. Dog, I don't care. It's not getting you like, going. <laughs> five, five on five match. This came around sometime. There's some some place the same where uh, Rusev was getting cuckolded. We'll talk about all that in a minute, but. So the thing about Hogan is that the thing that got me more is the interview that Arash Mukazi did for the LA Times where he talked to Hogan. Hogan said he wants one more match in Tampa. And, you know, which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it either. But we're not the majority of their audience. He didn't offend white people. At all. At all. So, um,. To be fair, there's so many white people had no clue he was like kicked out of the Hall of Fame or he did anything wrong. Well, which is amazing. Like they were that unoffended, like just had no clue it even happened. I look, I don't want to see Hogan in the match because he's old as shit for one, and for two, I just don't. I don't fuck with Hogan. I think we we did this at our panel. We talked about this. Like I just don't fuck with Hulk Hogan. No, I wonder if we can get him booed. Could we start booze? What is that going to get going? I mean, it at least gets our point across. That's the only thing that you can do. I think an audience booed him before this segment. It was in Canada or something. Booed the shit out of him. Oh, man. It made me feel good inside. That's that's all we can do. They're, at this point, we know they're not going to stop parading him in front of the people. No, oh, man. They're never going to stop. Hogan is Hogan. Is Hogan. Yeah. So man. Hogan must pose. So... That shit is wild. We had that in pro wrestling. And then the announcement of Saudi Arabia, which uh, we can pretty much talk about. It's coming up on Friday. But that's when people most likely be listening to this podcast. uh, Where they have Brock Lesnar versus Cain Velasquez and Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury pretty much set for that Saudi Arabia show. And they're doing some weird type of, I I don't want to say weigh-in, but press conference in Vegas to make this shit feel like a major fight. Yep, I shall be there. I guess the only question is what kind of what are the stipulations going to be for Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury? Is it like a straight boxing match? Um, clearly, Braun Strowman, like I've said numerous times, is the big show. He's going to lose. Yep, and it's I, big I show to Floyd Mayweather all over again. I don't know what your gimmick is if your if your gimmick is get these hands and then you get your ass handed to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what these gimmick is anymore, but you know. He's got a job, so there's that. Kane versus Brock. Uh, I guess we'll find out if it's for the title. If it's for the title, why? Yeah. So, I mean. I mean Kane comes off of the street. And I'll give it to people. A lot of people complain. It was like, yo, he doesn't look physically imposing. So, if you didn't know he was a UFC heavyweight champion, or if you just give zero fucks about the UFC, you're like, there's this flabby Mexican dude with brown pride on my television. Oh, and he got a bum knee. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, like, Kane just doesn't look the part. So, yeah. I mean... He would have uh, been... I, great grab by WWE, and I think they just did it because they heard AEW wanted him, and I'm not sure if Vince knew who the fuck he was. Um, but here at Major MMA Champion, I was like, oh, offer him whatever the fuck he wants. But I, I think he's more tailor-fit for AEW. So, are we talking, are we talking pro wrestling now? Pro wrestling. Wrestling all the way. Okay, so I guess because we left off last week with the Wednesday Night War and we praised it, praised it to the high heavens because both shows were excellent. Mm-hmm. 
And then we rolled into SmackDown, which is where Kane makes his debut after Brock Lesnar squashes Kofi Kingston in like four seconds. Yes. I almost forgot about that. Yes. Yes, he did. I mean, four seconds, man. You know, like you could like literally this is what happened to me. I was selling my deep freezer on Craigslist because I have this deep freezer that has no room in my house. And the guy decided to show up like towards the end of SmackDown. So I was like, uh, I was trying to stall him out so I could watch Kofi versus Lesnar. So they were making their entrances, and I was like, uh, I'll run downstairs real quick and tell him, hold on. I ran downstairs, came back upstairs, and Kane was out. <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I had to rewind it real quick to see what happened. Yo. There, there, I don't have a, I don't have as much of a problem with Kane signing to the WWE because him and Daniel Cormier have always talked about pro wrestling. Yep. I, have, I really don't have any issue with this. I have an issue with how it happened. You built up Kofi Kingston to, to win this title at WrestleMania, and then you put him through a few feuds, and it was like, all right, cool. And then you put him in a match with Lesnar, where most people thought Kofi was probably going to lose. But you could have gave the man more than seven seconds, four seconds, whatever the fuck it was. We've seen Why Daniel never... Bryan, Finn Balor, and AJ Styles all go, what, 15, 20 minutes? And, and Rollins, have... Rollins go 20 and win just a month yeah, ago. Exactly. Why did you squash Kofi Kingston? And then I know there's some people like, yo, this is going to make Kofi bigger than ever. No, it's not. It's I, not. I don't, I don't know how that happens, but okay. Like, is because... it a Daniel Bryan disrespect angle where Daniel Bryan it's... was propelled to the moon afterwards? But see, that's, it's not the same thing. I just don't see it as the same thing. Like Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement was great, gaining tremendous um, it, I mean, momentum heading into that Sheamus match. And when he lost to Sheamus, the Yes, I mean, the, it wasn't even the Yes Movement at the time. It was just Yes, because everybody had the Yes signs and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And he lost in the opening match. And then people were surprised because he was just gaining momentum as a heel. Yep. And that's what kind of put him over. Kofi was a babyface who had the title for about five months and got ran over by a guy that most people expected to run over, and they're moving on to the next program. It's not like they're going back to Kofi. We're about to have this draft. I don't see how this is going to help them. And, you know, maybe in some weird way, it, like, I, I just don't see it. No, but I, think, I think they have to push Big E next, maybe. Like, this is the, I, this is the yeah. end of Kofi's run. Kofi's going back to the tag team guy. It's, it's just whack. I mean, it has to end. I don't expect it to last forever. I just expected it to be a, give a little bit more respect to Kofi. Like, let him have a great match before he goes out. Have Kane interrupt. I didn't want him to get squashed. That was whack. That was really whack. I hated that shit. Well, WWE is in the market this past week of doing the worst possible scenario in a lot yeah, of their man. booking. So we, we know the outcomes of a lot of matches. We've talked about those outcomes for a long time on this show. They go with the worst possible way to get there. It's just, man, again, you, you put all that goodwill in Kofi. And, you know, to make matters worse, and this is my biggest issue with it, as the match started approaching, they started acknowledging the Beast in the East match in Japan where Kofi got squashed in a matter of seconds. Because they started referencing that, I was like, oh, maybe Kofi won't lose. Or, oh, maybe they'll make the match go a little bit longer. No, they squashed him the same fucking way. Shorter. At least he took a couple suplexes in the Beast oh, in the East. I think that, that was at least three minutes. Ah, uh, that was horrible. All horrible, bad. Horrible, horrible. You know what's worse? The ending of Hell in a Cell. Oh my God! Okay, all right. <laughs> there is a red cell, Dre. A red cell, and a DQ. 
I was beside myself because I didn't watch live like all of you guys did. And I decided to watch the next day. And you were like, don't say anything to me. You were like, yo, don't even talk about this shit in the chat until you watch the end. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. So Hell in the Cell starts with a fantastic match. Great. Between Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. And I'm like, man, this is a great match. Then we go with, there's a, like, then Asuka's heel turn. Fantastic. I loved it. I loved the, I mean, not even a heel turn. I guess whatever the fuck you want to call it. They are heels she, now, which is proven yeah, throughout the week. So, yeah. Whatever. She spits the green miss. All I'm concerned with is that Asuka has more TV time because now she's a tag team champ. Great. Fantastic. Um, and then the show just started to tail off because it just was throwing matches in there. And I was just like, this is stupid. This is stupid. So we get to the Hell in the Cell match. And I've said, dude, I said this from the jump. You painted that fucker into a corner by putting him into a title match. There was just no way out of this. Because why would you book The Fiend into a title match so soon against Seth Rollins, who is your champion, who just beat Brock Lesnar twice in a calendar year to get squashed? They had no exit plan. So they made one up in the goofiest, stupidest way possible. This match, listen. This match was atrocious on a number of levels because the crowd was hot for The Fiend. They were not for Seth Rollins. You wouldn't have had to deal with this shit if you put Seth Rollins in there with somebody else and built The Fiend a little bit slower. But yet still, you put him in this match, and then you, you basically nuke Seth Rollins' curb stomp finisher. It's over. He can't use that shit ever again. Because he curb stomped Bray Wyatt like a good ten times and couldn't pin <laughs> Well, they also used a pedigree, so I mean, can't use that again. Which is also like, Seth Rollins, his strong point has never been executing that pedigree. It always looks bad. So then you had that. Then you had the chairs. Then you had the toolbox. Then you had the cartoon-sized mallet. That's when I I tweeted this match is jump the shark. Because as soon as I saw that damn mallet come out, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. The Harley Quinn mallet? Get out of here. Then he kicks out all this stuff at one. Now the crowd's restless because the match has gone on too long, which is what I said from the beginning, because he has to wrestle. The match, it couldn't be a squash match because that's your champion. So what did you what do you do? Not a no contest. I thought Undertaker or somebody would come out and interrupt this thing. We get to a no contest. You have a DQ finish and a hell in a cell? This is how you finish this angle? Yo, if you're Bray Wyatt, Wyatt, one, I can't wait. Until you leave the WWE and tell your story about how many times they fucked you over with these narratives. Because all he's done is have great characters that have been ruined at every single turn by the writer's room and Vince McMahon. And this is the epitome of that because The Fiend is like easily the most over thing that they've had this year. And they've managed to ruin it in less than two months. It's Dog, this is unbelievable. There's no excuse for this. They didn't have to do this. If you didn't want to put the title on The Fiend, you should have never made this match. This is gross. I mean, shit. I don't, I don't even know what to add to that. There's there's nothing good to come of it. Yeah. It, I mean, I will say this. Bray stood tall at the end. Seth was spitting up blood, whatever. Um, they didn't ruin The Fiend for me. I think the character is still good. I think people sympathize with him. I think people realize the booking and more so blame Vince. Um, so that helps the fiend in my eyes. Them not talking about it at all on Raw was very weird. I mean, like oh they, 
they kept them both off of the show. When was the last time Seth Rollins was off of a Raw? Dude, because they knew they fucked up. They knew it. But so here's the other thing, right? Like I know it didn't ruin the fiend for you, but I, the perception of the fiend has now been shattered because this match has already been too long. Like I like I always said. Well, I mean, he looks giant. strong as fuck, so I don't think he's been shattered. But but the issue is this: is like now, what do you do? Because you can't. Like, does he does he just go squashing people all over again? Because he couldn't beat Rollins. He couldn't beat him. He couldn't beat him. That's all, that, the, the only the issue that I have is he couldn't beat Seth Rollins. So if you couldn't beat Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match where it's supposed to be no DQs and he gets DQ'd and you, you kick that, like you prove that you're like this invincible guy that can kick out of a whole bunch of shit and then you can make him bleed. Like they overthought this match. Like it's the King Hippo thing. It is the giant disease. Like once the giant is exposed, once Goldberg had to wrestle longer than five minutes, he was exposed. And it gets harder to reel that shit back in. So with like the Fiend character... If you would have continued having him squash people, like if the Fiend had like a similar run as Goldberg, where he was just kind of squashing fools and worked his way up, because remember, Goldberg didn't just wrestle Hogan. Goldberg beat Conan, Perfect, uh, a bunch of other guys. He ran through the entire NWO, and they were both they were mostly squash matches. The guys got in a little bit of offense here and there. Somebody would try a pinfall and he kick out. But once they jumped the shark. When Goldberg lost it to uh, Kevin Nash with the, the stun gun shit, it was over for Goldberg because now he's exposed. We know he can't wrestle a certain amount of time, and the, the veil of invincibility is gone. The Fiend is in a similar situation. You exposed him way too early. You could have allowed that man to squash a bunch of people, and then you have a fever pitch for him get it, to get a title shot. So when he does squash Rollins, it feels all right because you're like, well, shit, he didn't squash everybody else. Why shouldn't he squash Rollins? The only person he beat was Finn Balor. Not even the demon. Just Finn Balor. They, they, this was just a horrible path, dude. They could have done this so much better. Definitely unnecessary. <laughs> I, I will say that. <laughs> like, it, I, it did nothing. And you got to hit the reset button now anyway. You might as well have had the squash. Because it just added nothing. And now you got to act like it didn't happen. We'll see um, on the debut well, I guess not debut, but on the next Fox SmackDown, they're having the draft and they're opening up with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns. We'll see. Maybe Seth is booed to high heavens. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, why did you just? Why are they booking this match? And it's also weird because it's like, all right, it's we'll like the Seth head Ra- guy from Raw, head guy from SmackDown. See who gets the first pick. Even I mean, though it's, it's weird because SmackDown still only gets two to Raw's three. But the interesting thing is, all right, cool. So let's just say. If Reigns beats Rollins and SmackDown gets the first pick. You know who I'm picking? Seth Rollins. I'm taking the champ. <laughs> Why not? Like, then he's no longer with Rollins. Like, this is so dumb. Yeah, like, that's true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, whoever loses, I'm just, I'm just taking that guy. But it's like, more importantly. No, I mean, why, honestly. Why is, if, why is if, it Roman Reigns and not like Brock Lesnar? Yeah, why isn't it a champion versus champion match? If Roman Reigns wins, they take Brock Lesnar first. Anyway, SmackDown takes Brock Lesnar. If Raw wins, they're going to say, Seth won, we're taking Seth, and then SmackDown's going to come back and take Brock Lesnar. Like, I'm just trying to figure out the logic. Okay, so Seth Rollins is now like evil to everybody. Everybody hates Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins goes to this match with Roman Reigns. He if has he to loses, No, you can't yeah, lose again. You are exactly. a champion. You can't lose. You got to beat Reigns. So you got to beat Reigns, but the crowd's not even going to like this shit. Dog, they painted themselves into such a corner. I don't understand the booking. 
Like, I mean, look, it's that, clear that Seth needs a win in the worst way. Oh my God! I just this is this he's is been, like rabbit. he's yelled on television, like screamed out of fear. He's cried, and then his opponent <laughs> ate ten finishers to say "fuck this," beat his ass, and make him bleed. Seth needs to win. Like he does. He he can't lose. He cannot lose. Like I mean, he's got the worst of it too, because, dude, you couldn't finish this guy with all your fin- like Brock Lesnar. You need like three. The Fiend, you need like ten. But how many? But can you again? Yeah, you are right. They paint themselves in the corner. Because can he beat Roman Reigns with one curb exactly. stop? Now, what does that mean for Roman Reigns when you just saw the Fiend eat ten of these shits? Oh, it's so dumb, dude. It's so dumb. It, oh, this is... it makes Reigns look bad. <laughs> so, and you know what? Here's the the best part about this is, like, they have managed to hide one of the worst angles that I've seen in recent memory with this cuckold shit with Rusev and, and Bobby Lashley <laughs> because this angle was so bad that it's taken over. But but it dude, led Raw. Exactly. Well, because they had nowhere else to go. Oh, my you God. go anywhere else. <laughs> Anywhere else, make some tag team shit. It was a cuckold angle, a blacked like a straight cuckold angle, like like fucking oh my god, Pornhub status, unbelievable. And they keep upping the ante. This time she was getting in the bed, butt ass naked. Dude, dude, listen. She's gonna be backseat backshots this next episode. Shout out to Kara. Backseat backshots. Like one, la- one of the last things I'll say about this before we move on to AEW, um, and then you can chime in as well. If you're going into a war with all elite wrestling, I thought that you would bring out your big guns. I thought you would do something that would make us say, "Man, WWE's really got it unlocked." Not just NXT, SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown and Raw, like SmackDown felt like a big deal with the stage presence and all that, but everybody's going to remember that horrible finish, and a lot of people don't care about Cain Velasquez. And now you have this whole Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman thing that wrestling fans just kind of don't care about. Raw is just terrible because now you have this whole black thing going on. Like, all you're doing is fueling AEW. All you're doing is making them look better. I just can't believe that you're in a perceived war and you would come out just... With a terrible end of SmackDown. They are not in a war with AEW, Dre. NXT is. And I will point to you, Dog. to the stats. AEW this week did 1 mil, 1 mil, 18,000 viewers. That's it. Down from 14 or 1 mil, 400. They are going to plateau or even out at around 900,000 an episode. NXT did 790,000 on their fourth episode. They are only 100,000 behind. Raw did 2.5. This isn't a war. It's a war. You want to know why it's a war? They're doing TNA numbers. It is not a war. You want to know why it's a war? With We the People. It ain't a war. Dude. It ain't a war with that. It's a war between them and NXT. There's levels to this shit, and they're not WWE. Beat NXT Dog. first. Dog, they're already beating NXT. They're, already they're beating, beating them NXT. by 100,000, and in quality, they're Wait, not far that, ahead. That's not 100,000. That's more than 100,000. One million. Was it me. one million? Yeah, it was one million eighteen. They are beating them by exactly 200,000. Okay. For an established brand, which is WWE, yep. which is like the Simpsons of pro wrestling, you're expected to do these numbers. 
This is when a new company, this is their not, Cleveland show to their family guy. Like you're no, you're competing with their Cleveland no, no, show. It's no, it's their spinoff. No, no, you're competing no. with Frazier to Cheers. You want Here's why. Here's why you're gonna lose talent to AEW, which you've already acknowledged them. You've acknowledged them by going to war with them. Like you you didn't have to. They didn't pay attention to Impact. They didn't pay attention to Ring of Honor. They've paid attention to AEW. Regardless of what these the rating you say it's like an AEW NXT thing, the fact that AEW is still ahead of NXT says something about the new kid on the block. The new kid on the block is a threat. And when you're when you're doing terrible things, yes, you're going to have the audience that you've inherited. The WWE has inherited this audience, but you're losing the last fan. The last fan is going to AEW. You can't keep fucking up like this and think it's going to be okay. Because that's what happened when WCW snuck up on their ass several years ago. Well, two decades ago. They snuck up on them. They, WWE kept fucking up. WWE kept doing the cartoon shit and thinking, hey, ain't nobody, not even looking over their shoulders. We're just going to do this goofy shit with the goon and a bunch of other dumb shit. And we think they're all right. We're okay. And then WCW cracked them over the head with an angle and then won the Monday Night War. It doesn't happen overnight. But you got to be careful. You can't just run the race and not look over your shoulder and not expect them to do something drastic. They're coming. They may not beat you this year, but you can't keep doing dumb shit like this. That's true, but I think they what they didn't have then, they have now, and NXT is a huge fucking asset. NXT is that style of programming. That is like saying WCW... like That's like having ECW under the WWE banner then. Like, you, you have something that the hardcores can latch onto. You're fighting fire with fire. You have a program. What if NXT, NXT's 200,000 back. What if if this is where NXT stops? So 800,000 is pretty much NXT's normal. What if AEW keeps sliding back to the norm? What if they're even? What war are we in? What if they're not? Like you're talking about. Something but I'm like, saying they're in position where it can go either way still, so it's not a war with the main roster yet. But they've made it they've made it this way. Like they've made it this way because NXT is a brand of WWE. Let's not act like NXT is some other brand. It's not. I mean it's, t- technically now it's they've branded themselves three separate ways, but yes, it's under the same umbrella. Yeah, so you are like you're using it to go to war. Like you've you you're bringing Finn Balor back, like you're counter programming. AEW because you feel threatened. They didn't counter program anything else. No, they're they're a threat, but they use they're using it, it's so weird. They're using their little brother to go and fight this. But the problem is, like, here's the other thing. If let's just say, because the raw and smackdown raise are huge. SmackDown's supposed to be huge. It's on Fox. It's channel five. Yeah, I'm counting SmackDown, yeah, yeah. But it's on Fox. It's yeah. Channel 5. Now, as, as time progresses, and the reality is, what if, this is very possible, what if people, more people start drifting because of the Wednesday night wars, start leaving Raw and SmackDown and tuning in on Wednesdays versus Fridays and Mondays? Do, does Vince McMahon start pooling his resources into NXT? Because you're going to get your rating on Raw and SmackDown, whatever it is. Yeah, it may I slide, mean, th- that's very, very possible. I mean... But, do you consider like do you personally consider NXT the C show? No. I give NXT the A show. Yeah, and I think a lot in of talent, other people in do. talent and the in only consistency, why, yes. 
the only reason it's not is because Raw and SmackDown have been on for like 20, 30 years. Correct. So NXT is, you know, they're the new shiny thing as well, which is, you know, a lot of people are enjoying NXT more than Raw and SmackDown. I just, dog, if you're, if you're in this competition, like, you don't want to make your talent unhappy. And I guarantee you, Bray Wyatt was not happy with that shit. That's the biggest problem, is you're fucking up internally at a point where you look at a Finn Balor, he has options. People have gone, and you can say whatever, maybe they're giving them mental health breaks and vacations, right? Maybe they're that nice. Or people are walking the fuck away, and to make them come back, Sasha Banks is getting title opportunities, the Revival has held the belt for the better part of five months after saying they were leaving and re- reportedly requesting their release. Leo Rush bounced for four months, came back, just won a title. So, I mean, is this the wave? Like, yeah, like the inmates are going to run the asylum because you're scared to death that they're going to leave because they have options. They do. It's the first time they have a viable competitor. And you AEW's can't, you, yeah, you can only lose so much. You can't really lose the new day to AEW. That'd be a pretty bad look. Yeah, so Jericho, Jericho's 50 fucking four years old. Like, he might be like 48. But still, losing Jericho, ho-hum, cool. You can eat that. You take that on chin. Losing Cody, whatevs. Then picking up people you cut. Cool, we discarded them anyway. I'd say Moxley's the only one, and even Moxley wasn't the man. You lose Daniel Bryan to this shit, it's over. Now we got a war. That's And that's the dilemma, man. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at this, and I'm going, all right, this isn't... This is becoming interesting because you're not you're not coming out firing like you like you like you you've paid attention to the competition and then you, this is what you do on your season premiere week this is what you do you start off with a a cuckold angle on Raw you have a good NXT show which you've actively counter programmed AEW mm-hmm. which is everybody everybody says the NXT and AEW shows were the best then you have a show that feels good at the beginning with SmackDown that ends on a sour note and then you have a shitty finish to Hell in the Cell. Man, like, they're, they're the moving backwards as well as NXT is doing. The best thing the main roster can do and Vince can do is not count NXT's success and praises as their own and think that gives you a license to ill. That's the biggest thing. So I agree with you on that end. Like it is a whole company on that respect. You can't say NXT is within 200,000 of AEW. We're even. They're not a threat. No, like you still got to get busy on the main roster. You still have to treat it as though you're your own competition, and they're not. The cold angle, that's ridiculous. Like, if if you blindfolded me, I would tell you Bischoff is running Raw and Heyman's running SmackDown. How the hell do you talk Paul Heyman into a cold angle to lead his show? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the, th- the other thing is, like, well, let's talk about AEW because two weeks – and these crowds are fucking hot. Yeah. Like, and we, we expect and, these and they're crowds not even to be packed hot. houses. Hot. Like, these crowds are not only hot, but then their shows are good. And, and again, I've said this from the beginning. I, you know, really talk to me in like two months to see if this thing is still as high as it was. But they're doing, they're not doing anything too crazy on AEW. Like, what they're doing is just having good shows. They're not like stacking them with like debuts every, every hour. They're not having title matches all the time. They're just having good shows. Like that private party Young Bucks match was fucking phenomenal. 
and they get, and they didn't they didn't use nepotism and put the Bucks over. They put Private Party over because obviously they're going to shift to a Bucks versus LAX angle. But AEW's just having good shows, and I think that's worth more than but NXT is having to, good shows. No, they are, but that's that's making Wednesday more important than Monday and Friday. And if these are your flagship shows, and if you're like Fox and you're like, well, what the fuck? They're getting the good shows. And I mean, maybe they don't give a shit because they don't know wrestling. But it's just, man, like all the good stuff is happening on Wednesday. But AEW, like they're not going to topple the big guys. But if you look at like this show this week, the Jericho promo was fantastic. The, you know, the Darby, like Darby Allen rolling in on a skateboard and cracking Jericho got <laughs> a bigger pop than anything this week. Uh, that yeah, pop that yeah. shit. That in Jericho's in Jericho's promo, the, the pops were ridiculous. The Walter Kushida match kind of got like a crazy chant towards the end. That shit hit another gear. But no, no, and that, that was a great as match. far as moments, no, no moments. Matches, yeah. I'd say private party and that Walter Kushida match probably had the biggest pops. Like in matches. Um outside of matches, though, yeah, they crushed. Darby Allen, Darby Allen looked great from the opening segment to the end. Um Dude, it's just a million they bucks. Did the, they, they're doing the right things with their talent. Yeah. It's, it's, they're not overexposing them. You know, Cody's like, they're, they're playing this MJF angle. Um, however, they, I mean, it's, we all figure that he's going to turn at some point, but just hasn't happened yet. Like, they're, they're not overexposing their talent. Some guys disappear. You know, like the matches, you're getting like good 20-minute matches. They're doing the right things to, to not look like they're trying really hard. It looks like AEW's just trying to have a good show. So that's where it gets a little intriguing. So I'm a, I'm a little curious at how this thing is going to play out over the next couple months. But as of right now, WWE is just not doing a great job. Yeah, main, main roster-wise, they are not. And uh, they got to fix it. We'll see. They promised changes. That that video with Trips and Vince and Stephanie and uh, Shane in the middle of the ring and say, you are now the authority. We're listening to you. Damn, I thought that was a good turning point. Nah, they don't. They just keep reverting back to who they were. It's you was who you was before you got here. Yeah, so that's that's ridiculous. We'll see. We'll see if they let Heyman do Heyman or Bischoff do Bischoff. I don't know. At this point, who the fuck knows? I know they let Trips do Trips, and NXT is enjoyable. And AEW has found a formula that really works for them. And I enjoy yeah. both of those better than anything. So I'm not at the point where I'm cutting off Mondays and Fridays because I still watch. I mean, fuck it. You guys see my Twitter? I got three TVs. I'll have it on on one of them. But it's not on the big screen. So it is It is what it is. That's, that's where I'm at with those shows. Um, man, I feel like we kind of covered pro wrestling. Boxing is real quick. So we had Triple G this past weekend. Push to the limit. Is father time catching Triple G? Yes and no. Um, I think it's unfair. I think this fight was very similar to the Spence Porter fight where Nobody gave Sean Porter a chance, and then he has this fight, and the people go, Arrow got exposed. No, he didn't. He just fought a really good opponent who was different. So, kind of similar thing with Triple G and Derevchenko. Derevchenko is better than a lot of people thought. And it's not that I don't – but Triple G is 37 years old. So there's a little bit of both at work here. I'm just – if you're Canelo and you don't take this fight, I don't understand what you're doing. I just don't. And, and to be fair, I don't, to be honest, I don't think Triple G – really got up for the Derevchenko fight as he would another Canelo fight. I think, <laughs> I think 
I'm not saying he purposefully baited him because I think Triple G was just really surprised at how good Derevchenko was. Um, Which but, he is. He's proven that now against several high-level opponents. Yeah, so I think at 37, soon to be 38, if you're Canelo, I, like you need to take this fight. If you're going to close the book on this, close the book. People want to see this fight. Don't, don't, don't do it the way that you've been doing it. Because it looks like Triple G is going to have to fight a mandatory in January. Yeah, it looks it like that's coming, coming up shortly, the announcement on that. I mean, which is cool. Because yeah. you know what? I don't expect Canelo to fight again until May anyway. So who cares? Fight the mandatory. Right. Get your money. Right. It, it was a tough fight, but man, you got to cash out now. And the other thing is, the, the person really on the outside of this because of the hangup is uh, Boo Boo. Demetrius Andre. Yeah. Like, he needs to get a shot at somebody. But y- y'all need to close the book on this Canelo Triple G thing first. The sooner you do that, the sooner you can move on to Andre. And that's what people want to see. Yeah. I, I, I would say yes. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Billy Joe Saunders is out there? Yeah, Billy. Yeah, whatever. Billy Joe's going to be a super middleweight. I don't think he's coming back down to 60. So You don't think so? I, I nah. mean, he is moving up now. I mean, he struggled to make 68. I mean, 60. That's why he moved up to 68. 68, yeah. But isn't this only his second fight at 68? Yeah, but he, he couldn't make 60. Like, he was having a hard time. So, All right, so we'll just count him as not coming back down. Yeah, I don't know what Andrade, Andrade does. I mean, that, that'd be my next fight. Like, Billy Joe Saunders versus Boo Boo. Like, if, if Billy Joe Saunders doesn't move back, then I don't know. It's the smart thing to do. The smart thing to do is to have Canelo and Triple G. If well, you know, there is a fighter called Canelo, Charlo You saw what Triple G looked like against Derevchenko. Just make the fight happen. Anyway, you know, I guess that's a, all about There's a Charlo that. out there. Like, Boo Boo yeah, can try to fight is. Charlo. As much as people, you know, in that promotion, the zone don't want to acknowledge it, Charlo is out there. You can yeah. try to cross lines and make it happen. Not with one of your main guys, but make it happen with your third guy. It's not a horrible fight. So no, it's not. We'll see. That'd be the best case scenario if they could work um, something out there. Flipping over to MMA to close out the show. Uh, Bellator is back to the shenanigans, booking Fedor and Rampage for Japan. I'm at the point where there's too many old man fights. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, th- this shit's turning into Saudi Arabia. Like, it's, it's like the WWE booking these wild-ass Goldberg matches. Like, I'm done with it. Like, it's, it was okay because you, you signed all these prospects and you had these good champions still that you stuck as co-main events and, and you sold people into doing that. But guess what? Those prospects got knocked out. Your champions are getting burnt out. Rory might just be done. Musasi took a lot. Like, you know what? Just, just go with what you got. Time to bankroll on what you have. And the tournament aspect is really good. Make those the headliners of every card. Because these old man fights I really don't need. I mean, they're doing it because it's Fedor, it's Japan. I get why they're doing it. I just don't care. That's all. I just don't care. I don't care at all about it. So that's, that's weird. I'm done with the old man fights for Bellator. Cyborg's fight is after that. I'll tune back in for the Cyborg fight. Um, last weekend, though... In the UFC, we saw the makings of what is probably their next big star. Israel Adesanya comes out, fight UFC 243 in Australia. Huge crowd. Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya, perfect venue. Stuff couldn't have shaped up better. Both of them made it to the fight. No complications. 
Style Bender has one of the best walkouts you'll see in MMA. Him and his boys put on a choreographed dance. So sick. Did his Naruto shit. He did the Naruto run to bounce from the walkway. He comes in and makes short work of Robert Whittaker. Much to what we saw in the Steven Thompson fight, right? Where you called it this style of kickboxer, this style of fighter gives him problems. Yeah. It's, I called it. I thought Whitaker would be a little bit more durable. But I had a feeling that Adesanya would probably run him into something. And he, and he did. Fluid strikers, man. You fight guys that sprawl and brawl and they load up on punches and they're a little bit easier to predict. Uh, Wonderboy exposed Whitaker by using feints and everything and caught him with a head kick. Adesanya was more fluid. You know, he, he slipped, slipped a punch and fired a counter and put him down. Um, kind of went how I was expected. I just expected it to be a little bit longer. So He almost got stopped I, in the beginning of the first round. Yeah. Saved by the bell. But that's because Whitaker fights this, a style where he's like this, you know, he puts his hands up and he kind of walks towards you and he throws punches and he hopes to land. He doesn't really expect you to counter. And guys like Adesanya, guys like, I hate to say it, Anderson Silva, they love guys like this. Yep. Wonderboy loves guys like this. Guys that you can counter who are effective with both their hands and their feet where you don't have to worry about the takedown. Whitaker wasn't going for a takedown. He was going to try to knock Adesanya out. And Adesanya was like, all right, cool, come inside with that shit and I'm going to let you up. And he lit him up. So now we have a new middleweight champion. Um, yeah, we, so I, we have a new question, contender, Paulo Costa, Borchina, which, which is going to be one hell of a fight. I think it will be, but I think the interesting thing is, is that with Adesanya and Borchina is very much like Whitaker. I think he might get stopped the same way. Just a souped up version. He's just big. I mean, go back to the Romero fight. These are just two guys that were loading up on punches the entire fight. Nothing fluid about their striking whatsoever. Yeah, that's true. And so we, I, we've seen Borchina get, get hit before. He's yeah. Been, we got, we, he's been he crushed in fights. Romero. Yeah. So the thing is, again, it's like Romero would hit him with one shot, and that was kind of it. Adesanya's not just going to hit you with one. He's going to hit you with several. And that's where I think the trouble's going to be. So, uh, And then we I, have I the John Jones shit talking. Yeah, which is... They're only one division apart, but they're in two completely different body types. Um, It it doesn't make any sense for John to do this right now. Like, I mean, to be fair, he has no other options. You should let the kid cook for like a year. He becomes a megastar, and now you're printing money on that fight. Yeah, but it's just like the disparaging remarks. I'm just like, chill, John. Like, you are on a different plateau as a fighter. But that's who he is, man. Petty Jones. Yeah, that's just who he is. Uh, but so many people, when John was a young buck and broke in and became a champion, wanted to see John Jones versus Anderson Silva. This is, is the closest we can get to that. That yeah, didn't happen, I... but this is in that same ilk. So um, we'll see. The shit talking's funny. And people were, quote unquote, outraged at the dancing. I didn't see any of this, but that was the topic. I don't get it. Uh. We know what this is. We know what this is. <laughs> you can't be too black. Nah, man. You and can't in which be. this kid is a black nerd. Like, that shit's cool. It's like Donald Glover. He's not doing, like, hood shit. Maybe he's crumping. But, I mean, outside of that, like, he's doing Naruto shit. He wrote in the Death Notebook. Yeah. That's, like, your levels of dope nerdy shit. Not even yeah. the movie. Well, that- like, the actual anime style. Dude. It's just, yeah, you can't be too black. That's all it is. You can't be too black in MMA. 
there's still a certain demographic of people who just don't like you. That shit's and wild. That's, it's um, unfortunate, man. It's yeah, unfortunate. Man. But the bottom line is I think Israel Adesanya, one way or another, he's proved that he can't miss TV. Like, you have to watch him fight. Definitely. And uh, they did, you know, he's done a good job. His camp or the UFC, whoever it is, I'll give him kudos. He's been on Breakfast Club. He's been on some of these platforms that we've been asking for years. Like, yo, why don't you put your athletes out there? Why aren't these black fighters there? And he yeah. is. So maybe he's that first one to really transcend um, into hip-hop culture, which is now pip, uh, pop culture. So we shall see. Like him, Chris Brown, have to get in a room and do a dance-off. Like, why isn't that happening? Like, that's great. That's great promo. Like, people be like, oh, the it fuck is-, is this guy just really going crump for crump against Chris Brown? How the fuck crump dope is that? Crump. crump for crump. Like, that, wow. that's how you get the kids into it. So we'll see how they build him going forward. Last thing to touch on, Joanna and Jacek. Michelle Waterson still scheduled for this weekend. We'll see if Joanna makes weight. Um, at one point, she said she wanted to catch weight at 120. She didn't believe she could make 115. It's not for a title. I would have said, fuck it, do the catch weight. But Waterson's kind of small for the division. She said, no, Joanna's going to try to drop down. Is this Joanna's last fight at 115? Absolutely. She has to move up. She has to move back up. If, you, if you're like a week out from a fight and say, I can't make weight, it's time for you to go. Some professional, it's not fair to the fighter. You should be fined and you should be forced to move up. Yeah, and we saw that. Um, who was it? And it worked very well for him. Who, oh, Kelvin Gaslam? Kelvin Gaslam, yep. I was about to say, I was about to say uh, Big Rig, but no, that didn't work out well for him. I knew it was someone <laughs> no. else. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam, it worked out for Johnny Hendricks, it did not work out for. But still, we've seen that. You know what? You have too many weight troubles. We're moving your ass up. Prove that you can handle it. Then maybe you go back down. I don't think she'd go back down. She wants another crack at the title, though, and this is her clearest path. I think Tatiana Suarez should get the next title shot. It doesn't look like it. She had, like, a minor surgery after her last fight. Ioana sees this as her last chance at a shot at a 115 title. Yeah, whatever. Make the weight. (laughs) Exactly. Who do you have, Ioana or Waterson, if they fight? Um... Joanna with a tough ass weight cut. That's that's my problem. If it was Joanna, I would have said Joanna easy. But now, I don't know. I don't think this fight's gonna happen. Ooh. I don't think Joanna's gonna make weight. Um, I have Joanna whether she fights Waterson at one fifteen or for some reason she has to fight Angie at one twenty. Angie will fight anyone. I don't care. Um, I think Joanna wins if she can make one sixteen. Then I think she still sets herself up for a title fight, even though I'm not sure if she would. Cut the weight and be able to make that shit. And wouldn't that be a shit show? Exactly. Um, but we'll see where that goes. I have Joanna winning both of those fights. That is our show for this week, though. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Another week down. Make sure you guys check us out next week. A ton more in combat sports to talk about. And follow us on all social media at the corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Whew. That is our show for this week. Dre, we're out. Peace. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. When people asked me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.